0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Well, last week we celebrated the resurrection of our Lord. And if you remember, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She finds that the the stone has been rolled away. Jesus isn't there. She goes and tells the disciples, and Peter and the beloved disciple go, and they too see that Jesus is not there. And then Mary Magdalene goes back. She goes back, and once there, she encounters this man who she thinks to be the gardener. Only after a brief conversation with this man, the eyes of her mind are enlightened, and she sees that this is the risen Lord, the Christ And she rejoices. And Jesus tells her, go and tell the disciples what you've seen. And then Mary goes and does that. And so Mary is, as Jake said last week, the apostle to the apostles. She goes and tells them this wonderful of wonderful news. But how do the disciples respond to Mary's proclamation? Do they respond with rejoicing, with gladness, like we'd expect? No. If you are paying attention to the reading in the Gospel lesson, you'll notice that they were hidden away behind locked doors in fear. What were they afraid of? Well, the text says that they were hidden away for fear of the Jews, and that's kind of an unfortunate way of putting it, because the disciples are all Jews, so this isn't Jews in general, thank God. This is referring to the religious leaders. This is referring to the people who gave Jesus to Pontius Pilate. Remember, Jesus is an insurrectionist to them. He's getting in the way of their power. So they've taken care of Jesus. Maybe they're taking care of the disciples next. But also, this reading comes right on the heels of Mary coming to them. And if you remember, the disciples had just done some pretty terrible things to Jesus. They had Peter betrayed him, denied him three times, and all but the beloved disciple completely abandoned him. So at his moment of greatest need, his best friends, his followers, completely let him down. And not just let him down, but just leave him hanging to dry. They leave him literally on a cross. So maybe they're not just afraid of the religious leaders. Maybe they're afraid that this crazy lady, Mary Magdalene, if she's onto something, if she's really seen him, this might be some pretty bad news. For we, we saw that this man was, did things that we couldn't understand, wonders, healed, etc. But if he can raise from the dead, this is a power unlike any we've ever known. And so they are hidden away, huddled behind these locked doors. But if you know anything about the character and person of Christ, you know that Jesus will not be stopped by locked doors. Jesus goes and appears right to them, and instead of offering a sword or judgment or how dare you, how could you, not even that, like far worse, instead of a sword, Jesus offers his peace. He forgives them, those who had completely deserted him. And he does this not once, but twice. It says, if the author is trying to get across for emphasis' sake, no, this is a true and real peace, forgiveness, despite the fact that Jesus had every right to be completely upset and vengeful. And not only does he offer them his peace, but he then commissions them and empowers them. He gives them a ministry. They are to carry on the ministry that he's, been doing his whole life. And what is that ministry? Well, if you are following along, it's to extend this peace. It's to extend this forgiveness of sins. And so the disciples rejoice, just like you'd think, right? Well, this this could have been really bad news. You can imagine Jesus just shows up. The closed doors, the locked doors cannot stop him. We've just done all these terrible things to him, but he's offered them his peace. Here he is, risen from the dead. Dead men don't rise, but here he is, and he's forgiven us. But despite this emphasis of peace, despite their initial rejoicing, we find them in the same exact place the next week. So this is where we're at. This is 2,000-ish years ago. The second part of the reading takes place a week after the resurrection. We're following this chronological. This is why we're reading this text today. So, Despite this double emphasis of the forgiveness of sins to them, they're once again huddled behind locked doors. Only this time, they have Thomas with them. Thomas, who, for whatever reason, wasn't there the first time. We have no idea why. He just wasn't there. Maybe he, you know, in the Gospels, he's kind of this Eeyore-ish figure. Maybe he's just so despairing that he's kind of going off in his own way. And Thomas, unfortunately, kind of gets a bad rap. For, for Thomas, is really, at the end of the day, if you read it, he's just looking for what the others got. The disciples encountered the risen Christ. Mary Magdalene had encountered the risen, risen Christ. So when the disciples tell him, we have seen the Lord, the same message that Mary gave to them, he is suspicious, much like the disciples were when they were initially huddled behind the locked doors. Now it's true, Thomas does up the ante, so to speak, right? Thomas says, "'Unless I place my finger in the nail holes "'and put my hand in his side, "'I will not believe.'" But the reason I don't want to really focus on doubting Thomas, the way we've come to think of him so much, is that the, the message of this text really is not so much, don't be a doubting Thomas, as if doubt were the opposite of faith, as if doubt weren't a necessary component of faith. No, the message of this text is that Jesus will not be stopped by closed doors. And so we see him once again appear on the scene, despite once again. And if you're following along in the text, the text says closed doors, but it's the same Greek word as the one they translate locked earlier. It's, they're behind closed or locked doors. This is to reiterate their fear again. But Jesus, again, he won't be stopped. And so he comes again. And you'd think the disciples might be further afraid. "Uh, (laughs) We were huddled behind locked doors the first time. You showed yourself. Here we are again. But Jesus appears and he speaks to Thomas directly. And he offers them for the third time his peace. If we can't get it through our heads enough, this is his third offer of forgiveness to those who completely let him down. And he does it again. And Thomas says, and this is why, again, we can't be too hard on Thomas. Who has, like, the highest confession of the Lord? Once Thomas sees Jesus, and I think, I imagine Jesus being kind of sassy here. See, Thomas, put your hand in this side. Put your hand in these holes. And Thomas doesn't do that. He knows, this is what I like about him, he knows when he's been beaten. What does Thomas do? He says, my Lord and my God. Call him demanding Thomas. He demanded to, be, to, to, to experience what the disciples and Mary Magdalene had experienced. Don't call him doubting Thomas. But maybe you're in a similar place as the disciples here today. The highs of Holy Week and Easter Sunday have come and gone and you're right back where you're started, doubtful, afraid, and locked in on yourself. Maybe you're like the man in a classic cover of The New Yorker who's hidden away in his dark one-bedroom Manhattan apartment, and he has this door. It's covered in locks. There are padlocks, deadbolts, latches, even those, remember those locks that were popular in the 80s, those locks that connected to the door, but also to the floor. It was like this rod. I don't know what those are called, but if you can imagine it, think of it like this door is locked. Maybe you feel like that guy a week after Easter Sunday. But according to this text, if you feel that way, you're in pretty good company. You're in the company of the eleven. For the good news of the gospel is that Jesus will not be stopped by our locked doors. Much like on that same New Yorker cover, if you look down to the bottom, underneath the door, despite all of those locks, the impressive locks, at the very bottom there's this card that's made its way through the bottom of the door. And it's a Valentine's Day card. Jesus is like that Valentine's Day card. He is the embodiment of that love that will not be stopped by all of our locks. And I don't know what your locks are. Maybe your locks include lots of doubt. Maybe your locks involve shame. Maybe your lock involves just not ever really wanting to settle down on any particular truth. The good news of the gospel is not, don't be a doubting Thomas. The good news of this text is, Jesus will not be stopped by our locked doors. And so in response to this beautiful word, let us gather around this table to hear once again, for the umpteenth time, his word of peace and absolution And in sacrament so that we might no longer be afraid and that the doors of our hearts might unlock and open up. And maybe then we'll find it only natural to do what he told the disciples to do, and that is to share this message of peace, this message of forgiveness with the whole world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorgesorg giving. Thank you.